This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome in. It's the Lions 24-7 podcast uh, coming to you on a Saturday. It's not a post-game podcast. I want to stress before we get going here, what we witnessed in Beaver Stadium was not a game format. It was a practice, but we did see probably more scrimmage action than we thought about an hour's worth of scrimmage action. Sean Fitz and I were sitting alongside um, each other and plenty of our colleagues in the press box uh, and announced attendance of about 7,500 folks in Beaver Stadium, first-year students, family, friends, guests of players and staff and and other people from this university. So, uh, look, baby steps moving forward. I know that Coach uh, Franklin and that several players uh, expressed their excitement about playing in front of a group of uh, of people in this stadium, something they didn't really get to do a chance uh, last year. And we talked about before, first time there's been some outside eyeballs on this team in quite some time. We're going to break it down. Before we get going, Sean, I'll let our listeners know there was a lot going on. There wasn't a replay board. There wasn't any kind of stat tracker. We don't have stats coming out of this thing. You were focused in on the defensive personnel. I was focused in on the offensive personnel. Of course, we were watching the action along the way, but we, we kind of had to like take what we could get from the situation because, again, there wasn't a replay situation and we weren't you know, looking at updated uh, tracker of how things were going. It was fun. I mean, just to be in there, just to see everything happen and getting people around. I know there was a, a, a time midway through where they started doing some special teams and Devin Ford took a kickoff 98 yards to the house or something. It clearly was not a live drill. Um, I don't know if they had planned to to do the, the taking all the way back, um, but just hearing the the elevation of noise from the crowd, the building of excitement and just kind of, you know, oh, and then boom, he breaks it. And that's just cool. I mean, it, it's the little things, you know, you missed uh, you missed that kind of stuff. So um, it was cool taking what we can get. And I do think it's important that we talk about that format. The format was uh, a modified scrimmage. They came out, they did some some warm up drills, some seven on seven drills, some position drills, some one on ones with the offensive line, you know, just kind of uh, team period type stuff. And they went back in the locker room. They did some crowd teaching to the first year students, uh, you know, the cheers and the, the blue band and all that kind of stuff, which is great. But uh, then the scrimmage came out. It, it started about one o'clock um, and it ran to about two thirty. I mean, they they got a lot of scrimmage work in today, which, you know, I, I thought it was a better uh, more aesthetically pleasing from what we do sort of thing than the blue white game. You know, the blue white game is kind of over by halftime. And by the end, it's walk-ons playing against walk-ons. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but it was more ones versus ones. We saw a lot of first team action today and we're an hour and 15 minutes in, they bring the first team back out and do red zone work. So it was, it was pretty cool from that aspect. So we got a lot of look, maybe, maybe a better look at some of the guys higher on the depth chart and maybe some new guys that are higher in the depth chart than we probably thought we were going to get. Um, but it was, it was a pretty cool experience. There were some players missing on the field. We'll, we'll get to that as we as we kind of run down the positions and defense, offense, and all that. Uh, again, this is one of 15 practices in the spring. It's our glimpse inside of it. You want to be careful not to go too far down the path of of, of gleaning everything from this one look. And you also want to go to that. Don't want to go too far down that path of of theorizing why a guy wasn't on the field today. It could be something as simple as an ankle that was rolled this week. It could be anything. Um, but, but there were a few notable players missing. But let's talk about Sean, who, who was out there. A lot of focus is going to be on Sean Clifford, the offense, uh, working with Mike Yersich for the first time in front of us. Um, defensively, uh, we, 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 you know, we saw a lot of personnel involved as well. So uh, where do we want to start here? I, I mean, I think probably let, let's go with the fact that offensively, it, it wasn't a thing of beauty. It wasn't a, per, a perfect scenario, um, but it was work that they weren't getting last spring with the first year offensive coordinator. Uh, there's a lot of ground to make up, I think, uh, across the board. And, and you really start at the quarterback room there. Well, you think that a lot of that focus this spring has been on the installation of the offense and and Sean Clifford, who I, I was in the room with uh, after the Zoom room with after the uh, scrimmage really harped on 
every day they're putting new things in every day. They're just kind of Mike Yurcich is throwing a lot at them. So, you know, kind of reflected this offense as a whole kind of reflected that, uh, you know, they, they struggled to move the ball at times. Other times it was frankly, okay, but uh, it was, it's very much a work in progress on the offensive side of the ball. It's, it's going to start with the quarterbacks. I mean, you've got, uh, you know, Clifford was out there. I think you did the uh, the breakdown for drives, right? Yeah. Um, so there was a couple scenarios where, like, there was one series where the first play, Taquan Robertson and, and Devin Ford had an issue with the, an exchange on a handoff, and there was a fumble, and they lost possession, and defense got it, but he stayed on the field. So that counts as one possession. Um, but I, I, what my final tally was, I think I had Sean Clifford with with handling seven possessions, uh, Taquan Roberson handling seven, and, and then I believe the number was three for Christian Veyer. Got a little difficult to count because towards the end it was more about situational things, red zone setups. Uh, and, and a reminder, this is not a we talked about Devin Ford returning a kickoff, but it wasn't like you take the ball and and you end up uh, at your own twenty. They were putting the ball at the forty five to start certain possessions, at that twenty yard line to start certain possessions. So it was kind of a mixed thing but I would say we saw what 50% Sean Clifford 40% Taquan Roberson and maybe 10% Christian Veyer by the end of the day and you also forgot my guy Mason Stahl again like you do shoot okay hold on hold on hold on let me get that again uh 48% Sean Clifford uh let's go with uh 40% of Taquan Roberson 9% Christian Veyer and 3% uh, of Mason Stahl. And if that adds up to 100, I am way ahead of my math than where I think I am. I didn't even track it, so I think you're good. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's that's the way it goes. Uh, defense, I think they handled things up front. Uh, this is just a, a general feeling here, and I think we'll get to some of the reasons why. But first, let's talk about the MVPs. I mean, this is the blue-white game. This is what we do. We try to uh, take individual performances and prop them up a little bit. Hey, man, Kalen King, I, I, are we ready to say real deal? He's got he's got my seal of approval for being the real deal. He looked phenomenal today, and that wasn't just a case where you know he did catch an errant screen pass and took it to the house for a pick six, which was a a cool moment. Um, but it really wasn't the best play he made all day. I don't think he made an interception in the end zone later. Played played the run really well, which you know you don't expect a freshman corner to come in to do. Um, so outside of those two interceptions, which are great in their own right, this de- this team needs to have guys be able to force turnovers in the, in the secondary, uh, this season. Um, but love, love what I saw from Kalen King. He he looked the part, um, certainly lived up to the hype that we've heard about him all spring. And this emergence this spring is, is, you know, got their kind of head spinning in that, in that coach's uh, room in terms of what they should do with this cornerback group. And we'll talk about it in a moment. Uh, you've got one guy moving over to do some offense safety. Maybe you can contribute there and throw in John Dixon uh, as a, as a transfer who's gotten some love, but yeah, Kalen King, uh, I tell you what, a few days after Franklin calls him probably the most advanced freshman they've had on campus since he got to Penn State in 2014. This kid goes out there and delivers on it. Makes James Franklin look very wise with those comments. And and as Franklin said after the game, what you saw today is what we've seen uh, throughout this uh, practice periods all spring long. Brent Pry went so far as to say the instincts of uh, of of King remind him of Micah Parsons. Uh, yeah. he, he feels he feels like there's a a comparison to draw there and. Yeah, he was playing very much under control. Um, you know, the interceptions that that he got, they weren't the hardest plays to make. I mean, he, he clearly was reading the situation. One was kind of a, a 50-50 ball thrown up by Sean Clifford. That, that wasn't that wasn't a great throw. And, and then the other was a, a very uh, poorly executed attempt at a screen. Um, and picked that off and ran 25 yards for the touchdown. So if, if folks didn't get familiar with Kalen's name after Franklin's comments Wednesday night, you're coming out of Saturday and saying this kid's going to make an impact. And I know Joey Porter Jr. is not on the field right now and three Castro fields back. But I just don't know how we're going to get into September and not see a ton of Kaylin King as long as he is healthy. I, I would agree with you. I, you know, I was kind of on the fence just based on what he had in front of him. And it seems like he's he's gotten past that. There's been a, a position change there. Um, it, it's 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 very good to see. I mean, this is a guy that I think physically he's a little bit further ahead than we thought he would be. We obviously loved him. This is, this is my favorite defensive player in the class from last uh, cycle. And, you know, we thought that maybe he could break through and do something for you, but probably would be on the back end of that. Of course, no Tariq Castro fields today, no Joey Porter this spring, but it, it's one of those things where he showed that he belongs. I think my favorite play from Kalen King 
not the interceptions, but there was a, a screen to the sideline. He fought off Parker Washington, made the stop for a, a yard or two gain. Thought he showed a, a, kind of a veteran presence there, which you really don't expect from a freshman quarterback. So, yeah, I'm ready to give that 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 stamp of approval for for him being the real deal. I think he's uh, I think he's got a, a really bright future ahead of him. And I'll tell you what, his twin brother Kobe out there today playing some linebacker. Um, he had a hit on Kevon Lee, who is not a not an easy guy to hit in the open field. Uh, brought him down quickly. I thought that was one of the more violent plays we saw on the field. It, it's not a full uh, live action scenario um, today on the field, but that was one where where you know it kind of felt game like when Kobe met Kevon uh, in the hole there. And and we'll get to Kevon in a moment because he was pretty darn impressive today. But also on defense and also a newcomer, Sean, we, we go from Kalen King, the new kid at cornerback to Arnold Ebikede, the the addition at defensive end from the Temple Owls program last year. He was an all-conference player for Temple. I mean, we've heard about the explosiveness that he brings to the field that was on display today. Um, he <laughs> he burned Caden Wallace on one rep and got to, to Sean Clifford. And I'll tell you what, if it was a live action game, uh, the quarterback may have stayed down for a while because it would have been quite a shot. This kid, you know, he, he jumped off the field a bit today watching. He limped off the field at one point, which was a scary thing. But Brent Pry really excited about what they've added in him and really all three of those transfer additions on defense. But to me, he's the one guy that continues to flash when you when you gauge comments from players and coaches this spring and when you kind of gauge what we saw during the two hours today. AK, probably one of the guys that I was looking forward to seeing the most. And and really, I thought he lived up to the billing. You know, he's got uh, uh, probably some size still to go in terms of playing the run and things like that. I thought Penn State did some interesting stuff. I know nobody really watched, was able to watch the game, but Penn State did some interesting stuff, standing up the defensive end, moving around a little bit. And I thought they held up well. Um, again, that front four kind of, I, I don't want to say overwhelmed the offensive line, but they they pretty much dictated how things went. But Evicade, a big part of that, got to the quarterback. You mentioned that play against Wallace. I mean, Wallace was barely barely out of his stance, and and Evicate was by him. So uh, not much he could have done in that situation, but uh, he put a, he would have put a nice lick on the quarterback there. Um, I, I got to say that, you know, beyond Evicate, I felt comfortable watching those defensive ends. Nick Tarburton was a solid piece. Yeah, I know he forced a fumble. Uh, Adisa Isaac. Now, of course, there's a caveat. Adisa Isaac limped off at one point. Uh, Ebikete limped off at one point. They both came back in, but dangerously thin group. Uh, we're going to get to a little bit uh, of that later. Um, but it, it was a really good, really good first showing for Ebikete. I'm impressed with what I saw. Talking about the defense here early, let's let's focus in on the offensive standout today. And I, you know, there were a few uh, plays made in the passing game, but the ground game. When you look at this one, it started off with a really strong run by Devin Ford on the first possession for Penn State. But as the the day went on, you had the complete body of work from the running backs. It's hard not to look toward Kevon Lee as the guy who jumped out the most as, as the most impressive runner. Um, he, he continues to be that forward momentum kind of north south guy. Um, I think Franklin says he's what 235 ish pounds at this point. Yeah. I mean, wow. Um, and, and he's moving. I mean, I, I don't think he, if he's added weight, he hasn't lost a step. And, and uh, he made some, you know, he, he showed that ability to, to kind of get toward the second level and find a way to keep going because. Uh, I think that's one of the thing that stands out to me with Kevon Lee. There's a couple times today where he was able to kind of, uh, you know, go a little bit lateral, find that lane. And, and the one thing we do wonder with Kevon Lee is, you, you know, that 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 physicality is there. We, we watched him play a lot of football last year. By the end of it, um, where you see he can make that next stride is, is is getting that burst beyond the second level, turning six seven yard gains into 15, 16 yard games or breakaway runs. I don't know if he'll ever be that guy because he has that big physicality about him, but uh, I I don't know how they're going to keep him off the field. Uh, He finished strong last year. He ended up leading the team in rushing yards. You've got a lot to consider. We didn't see John Lovett, the Baylor transfer involved today. Noah Kane wasn't ready to participate in something like this, although he's back on the practice field. Ford Holmes also involved, but uh, it, it just Kevon Lee really seems like he's going to have a spot locked down in, in this rotation. Well, he's, he's a north-south guy. James Franklin talked about that after the scrimmage. Just really, this is a guy that moves forward. And and I think the biggest thing that that he said that I took away, he knows what he is. He's not going to go out there and and be a guy that thinks he's going to break an 80-yarder because it's no just dancing. Not yeah. <laughs> no dancing. And if he does dance, that's the, that was the interesting thing, especially for a guy that's a freshman or at the end of his first first season on campus. Uh he, if he does dance, if he does maybe float to the outside a little bit, he puts his foot back in the ground, gets upfield and, and finishes off the run. So that's the difference 
between a five and a seven yard run. That's the, and, and that certainly can change the way that your offense operates from that point forward. So impressed with Kevon Lee today, Devin Ford did some nice things. I thought they, you know, they threw to the backs out of the backfield a little bit. So that was cool. And of course, since we're talking MVPs, two touchdowns today from my guy, Tank Smith. Yeah. Tank Smith got involved late. Uh, and, 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 you know, that running back room, we didn't see the two guys there. You just want to keep seeing more of it. I think out of every, you know, Kaziah Holmes trailed forward and Lee in terms of, you know, making you watch him and coming away from play saying, wow, that was impressive. Um, Ford had that nice run early, but I think time after time, Kevon Lee was getting the ball. And when that play ended, you were, you kind of were thinking this guy looks like Penn State you know, some, someone that Penn State could be able to lean on uh, if they needed to, and they did at times last year. A um, little bit of an indi- individual focus on quote-unquote MVPs for what, what we saw there with some of those guys. Um, we'll take a quick break, and then we're going to go position by position, empty out our notebooks a little bit, coming out of Beaver Stadium. Um, stay with Sean and I. This is the Lions 24-7 podcast. We've got a lot to talk about on personnel, both sides of the ball in just a moment, but we do want to mention here, uh, Sean, we did uh, find out that Ryan Brubaker on campus today, uh, the Penn State legacy, a guy that they are targeting on the offensive line. Um, We're used to seeing 100 plus prospects on campus for the spring game. This wasn't a spring game. This wasn't a recruiting event. And yet it was able to get the in-state uh, kid uh, on campus, of course, on his own. There's no in-person recruiting right now. Yeah, that does. I mean, anybody that you can get up, especially, I mean, it's a nice day outside. You know, it's not the warmest day in the world, but it's a nice spring day in State College. And this is a guy that will be back the first weekend of June, um, even though he's a legacy, even though, you know, it, it, it would be the easy pick to say that he'll end up at Penn State. I think Penn State still had some work to do. So to get him on campus, to get him comfortable, to get him around, I think it could go away and setting yourself up for that first weekend in June where you can maybe feel a little bit more comfortable with where you stand. Um, Sean, uh, if you're ready to roll here again, I was looking at offense for the most part. You were looking at defense uh, and, and and we'll combine what we saw here, but let's start with quarterback. Go back to that. Um, couple, uh, a few interceptions, actually. We saw uh, Clifford picked off in the end zone. Uh, we saw Taquan Roberson uh, intercepted in the pick six with Kalen King. We saw a fumble on Roberson in, on an exchange with Devin Ford. Um, you know, we saw a little bit of Christian Veyer. Nothing glaring in terms of mistakes there, which is nice for, for him to be doing his first time in Beaver Stadium. Um, but, but I think very clearly, you know, there weren't it wasn't a lot of rhythm, I would say, in the passing game. Um, I, I think a lot of the downfield targets, you, you, you didn't see a high completion percentage there. Give some credit to the defensive backfield for Penn State. But um, some of those shots, you didn't really see a chance. There was uh, some underthrows. Uh, there was one that actually Veyer, uh had Malik Mega streaking down the sideline uh, just off the fingertips, just out of his grasp. I think that was actually pregame. I'm, I'm confusing things. Pre-practice, whatever you want to call it. But what do you take away from this? Because we saw a lot of passes thrown today, but I'm not going to really pretend that I'm walking away from this practice saying you feel a lot better about the quarterback room than when we walked into the stadium. Yeah, still room for growth at at every level, you know, at the starter level, the backup level. Um, So there's a lot to um, sort of digest here. Again, we don't have a stat book in front of us, so I'm not sure on completions, completion percentage or things like that. Uh, There was a lot of pressure in the sense that, you know, that last throw, that last interception that Kalen King had had probably wouldn't have gotten off in the real game. Clifford just kind of threw it down the field, pushed it down the field and, and King made a nice play on it. So uh, I don't think there's a ton that you can take away from it. I think it needs to be you know, a little bit more consistent and that's, that's nothing new. That's uh, kind of what we expected and kind of what we had heard throughout the spring is kind of up and down with all three guys um, it, with, with the new offense, you know, as hard as we've been on the quarterbacks, willing to give them a little bit more slack in terms of uh, putting the stuff in and getting the guys in the right in the right places. Um, some good throws today. Uh, seven on seven beforehand. I uh, was impressed with what Take On Roberson was able to do. It's it's interesting. I posted this in my chat this morning. Talked to some people at the end of the week here, and they say, okay, Take On Roberson. Had, he he had himself a really nice spring. He does make some wild throws. He makes some really good throws, and then he'll come back and maybe a couple times of practice, he'll just what are you doing out there, man? Just kind of throws it somewhere. And that's what happened on that first interception by Kalen King, the pick six, they set up a screen. Uh, and we've seen this before, unfortunately, but they set up a screen and instead of uh, tossing it 10 rows into the, uh, into the bleachers there, Roberson tries to make something happen, kind of pops right into Kalen King's arms and he takes it back the rest of the way for a touchdown. Uh, some, some 2020 vibes on that one, but uh, no, I, I thought he threw the ball well in terms of uh, this is our real, really our first 
extended look at him as a passer. So there's some, there's some good things there. He looks strong. He's not the biggest guy in the world. Uh, and on the flip side, Christian Bayou, taller than I remember. And I, now granted, I haven't seen him in person since he was a, uh, probably a rising junior. Um, but, uh, you know, he looked good in uniform, a lot to learn as a true freshman quarterback. I think that's to be expected. Basically, basically he didn't get a senior season last year and that's kind of the, the results are showing. And I do want to make the point here. If, if you were keeping track of sacks or if we were actually letting defenders chase down the quarterback, it would have been an issue. Pressure would have been an issue today pretty consistently. Uh, they br- brought the pressure from the interior. They brought it off the edge. There were times where plays were blown dead because the guy reached the quarterback. Um, you know, I mentioned Arnold Ebikede getting to Clifford earlier, but there were certainly times when when passes were thrown or plays continued that would have been shut Just down. That one where it goes an extra, it goes an extra <laughs> second, and the guy right. throws it, and he probably wouldn't have had that opportunity in a real game. But that's that's a scrimmage for you. Everybody's everybody's in April mode right now, even even the officials. So, um, but yeah, I, I think some guy, I think all three guys showed some good things. Clifford, I thought threw a couple nice balls. Um, Roberson, I thought pushed it out to the sideline really well, which, you know, that's the kind of the question is, is his arm strong enough? And it looks to be. Um, so that's good that you, I think threw some nice balls, maybe just, maybe just the difference between being a first year uh, January enrollee to a college quarterback that split second is it, it makes a big difference. And, you know, maybe behind a little bit underthrown a little bit, but I thought, I thought he looked good in terms of just physical mechanics. I thought he looked pretty good. Um, Roberson, I will go back to this. I mean, you're looking at scenarios there, the pick six. And I think when that fumble happened, Brisker scooped it up. And in a game situation, you know, he picked it up and he's staring at Mike Yersich and the back and the other quarterbacks because they're right behind the offense. It's not like a clear field, but that could have been another defensive touchdown kind of result when you have a, a missed exchange where the ball's uh, flying around the field on a fumble. So that's what you're a little worried about. And Franklin, you know, I asked the question after this practice, how comfortable is Penn State right now regarding QB two? That who that, do they feel like they have the primary quarterback? It was a, it was a very handsome question, by the way. <laughs> well, you know, you, you wanted to, you, you really want to 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 feel good. I mean, you, we have a lot of questions about Sean Clifford as QB one. I think right now we can we can say Sean Clifford is QB one. I don't think there's much question about that, but beyond him right now and, and when you need to go to a second guy for whatever reason um what's the confidence level i think you know roberson showed you know there's a, there's some concern there with with, with what happened in, in the turnover department and maybe some of that is jitters maybe 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 we're holding that against them when there was other execution issues I, we, there weren't replays so i don't know how the handoff fumble happened exactly um but you know that's a little concerning I, and i'll say Veyer didn't have any off the track moments, which I, which I think that's a good sign. Um, I, I, again, I think you go into this summer and they're going to continue to look at the transfer market and all that at quarterback. Um, you know, it, it's just, again, it's a scary situation because of the numbers there, Sean. And I don't walk away from, from this thinking that anyone's pushing, you know, Sean Clifford to be that starter. Um, and I also got to remember, this is a practice. You got Mike Yersich a few yards behind them on every play in their ear after every play. You can see he's very active. You can see the energy in full force as we've heard about. So it's a learning process, but I certainly think you want to get into the season and you would love to see quarterback play be sharper than we, we saw today. This was a practice and I got to keep reminding myself that. Well, you also need to remind the folks there was, there was another fumbled exchange, which I thought my mind was playing tricks on me, but you, you did come through Ooh. and tell me what happened there. Sean Clifford took a snap under center today, folks. Um, so you, uh, headline grabbing snap uh, that, that I know was going around Twitter a bit and people were reacting to it. And it was not cleanly, uh, cleanly acquired though, by, by Sean Clifford, there was an issue on the exchange and, uh, maybe that's that <laughs> when it comes to snaps under center, but something that we haven't seen in games uh, here in Happy Valley, certainly since I've been covering the team and, and for a while now, we just went over a lot with the running back. So I think we can probably jump over that over to receiver where uh, the story today really centered on a guy that we haven't talked about at receiver Marquise Wilson. Um Played a lot of cornerback as a freshman a couple of years ago, was involved again last year. I believe he started a game or two when other guys were unavailable. Uh, but today we saw him on offense. And today we also saw Taylor Stubblefield in his ear and, and Mike Yersich in his ear, kind of going up to him pre-snap and going over things. Franklin telling us uh, that this took place last week. Uh, it was something that Marquise Wilson was comfortable with. They had since they recruited him, talked about the possibility of playing on both sides of the ball. This move was made, and, and he also drew a direct line to 
the ability to get Kalen King where he is already and the ability to, to bring in a transfer from South Carolina and John Dixon, who has proven that he needs to get on the field as a cornerback. Yeah, this is something we talked about in the chat late this week in terms of moving Wilson over. Uh, kind of a, a natural ball skills guy. I, I kind of chuckled when Franklin said what he did about Kalen King in terms of the ball just finds him because I think the last person that he said that about was Marquise Wilson after his freshman year. Uh, so he, him being able to be comfortable catching the ball. And, and I think some of that receiver stuff will come. He was, he was a standout on all three, in all three phases uh, up in Connecticut during his high school days. Um, but he's still got a lot to learn, but has shown flashes. And if you've been around Marquise Wilson, if you saw him play as a freshman, confidence not an issue there. So, and I think that's probably something that receiver that group as a whole needs a little bit more of, uh, a little more brashness, a little bit more uh, alpha mentality, if you will. Um, so, I think that Marquise Wilson would probably bring that to the table. I don't know where he's at in terms of uh, p- potential produ- uh, production next year, uh, but I think that you know it's it's a move worth looking into. Uh, I don't know if it's the if it's the move long term, but it, it seems like there's. There's a reason he's there, and I can I can see why they've kind of laid that out in terms of what they're what they're looking for from him there. We saw quite a bit of him get it, get some opportunities out there, and and obviously he's got a lot to learn. This is a relatively new move, as Franklin described it. But at wide receiver, you didn't see anything big from from Jahan Dotson, Parker Washington. I expect uh, they'll, they'll both deliver some wow moments uh, this fall, and and they've done so on the practice field today. Wasn't one of those practices. Um, but we, we saw quite a bit of Keandre Lambert-Smith. We saw quite a bit of, of, of Cam Solomon-Brown. We actually, I, I believe that was the only spot that was really rotated out with the, the very first initial possession, Sean, where you saw what we would perceive right now as the first team offense with a couple guys missing, probably due to some injuries. Um, but, but at wide receiver, you saw Lambert-Smith get that early time. You saw Solomon-Brown. Um, and those are really the two that we have put that focus in on uh, as far as breaking into the starting lineup. It was Lambert Smith's job to finish last year, but you continue to hear a little bit of a buzz around Sullivan Brown and, and feeling like he was due to have a really nice season last year, but was unable to because of some physical issues. Made a big catch right away in the scrimmage today. They went down the field to him. He made a nice adjustment on the ball, came back and got it and and picked up a big game. I, I don't know what the, the yardage was on it, but it was, uh, it was through the air down the field. So, um, you know, that that's kind of the situation that they're in at, at receiver right now. You've got sort of a one through four that you believe in. Then you've got some guys, Daniel George. We saw a lot of Jaden Dotton today, probably more than I expected. Malik Mega. So there's that group, that one through four that you feel pretty confident in. You're still trying to figure out that third starter between Sullivan Brown and you know, Lambert Smith. Um, but at the same time, there's probably a bit of a gap there. Now, Daniel George made a really nice adjustment on a back shoulder throw, had a touchdown today uh, from Roberson, I believe it was. Um, and but that was an just, excellent throw, by the way, from Roberson. Back shoulder, throw. nice yeah. touch. I didn't want to. I feel like I forgot to mention that earlier, but that was maybe that was one of the better throws we saw all day. No, I might have been the best throw we saw yeah. all day, but uh, he made a nice adjustment from it. It's just the consistency with Daniel George just has never been there. We uh, we were watching him in seven on seven, and he got deep. I mean, he got. I, I don't know who he, I don't remember who he burned, um, but he got deep and Sean Clifford threw a really, really nice deep ball that would have been a 40 yard touchdown or something like that went right through his hands. And you can't, you can't have that now to his credit in the scrimmage. He made that touchdown grab. He made another one where he tipped the ball to himself and made a one-handed grab, but the consistency has got to be here. It can't be, you know, one step forward, two steps back with him. And that's really what's kept him off the field uh, for the most part from breaking or just from breaking through uh, over the last couple of seasons. So interested to see where he stands come August, September, but they're, they're looking to find that fifth guy. I know that's, uh, you know, I don't know that Marquise Wilson is, is going to figure in there quite yet, um, but it's uh, it, it's very much a work in progress at receiver. You mentioned some names there, Malik Mega. Um, I, I said this earlier during that seven on seven period. You know, he was, you know, you, you watch this kid run he's, down the field he's and at so his big. size. He's yeah, so he's big. so big and he just glides down the field. Couldn't finish that play. Vayer led him a little bit too far. You know, the, maybe he didn't extend it up, whatever. It was, it was, it was a hair off, but it would have been a heck of a completion. We saw those guys connect on, on one possession, Sean. I think it was back to back completions from Vayer to, uh, to Mega, the Canadian connection there. But, you mentioned you, uh, no shock. You were all over that one. <laughs> well, you got to get his name in the conversation. Uh, Winston Eubanks, uh, who, who came in, into campus this year after a really strong division two career, um, you know, 
what are you getting out of him? He got some run today. Um, but really, I, I continue to get the sense that you, know, you talk about those four guys and, and you put Lambert Smith and Cam, and, uh, and Cam Solomon Brown uh, right there underneath Dotson and Parker Washington. We just, you know, Marquise Wilson's in there now. But I continue to get the sense as you try to fill out what this too deep could be, keep remembering Clifford, Lonnie White, and, and, and Harrison Wallace all due to arrive at, at this summer on campus. And I know it's a harder when you don't enroll early, but this is a position that when you get beyond the top three, four guys, it just feels like if you come to campus ready, that's where you can make a push. And, and I still think we're going to see at least one true freshman uh, be an impact guy in that room here in 2021. I think putting that stuff aside, because, you know, we're kind of talking about the spring game today. Yeah. I think probably the biggest surprise to me, Jaden Dotton, and we've, we've talked about mega and his potential. And, and to me, he's still just all potential right now. I mean, that kid is big, fast, and still very raw. Jaden mm-hmm. Dotton, a little bit more polished, a little, a guy that was in there a bunch. They played him inside out, put him in motion a couple of times, threw the ball across the middle. And I thought, you know, he, he handled himself well. So I don't, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he was a little bit closer to playing than mega still like mega's potential in the long term um but dotton i think was probably one of my bigger surprises today yeah we i mean give him credit because he's someone that we quite frankly i had no idea what to expect from Jaden dotton what we would see it still, long still needs time. to get bigger i mean that's that's yes. gonna be the story with him for the next couple of years but the body control was good he took advantage of his opportunities uh, and and uh, the, the door is open right now to be on that too deep there, there there are very few i think roles locked in at wide receiver right now as as as, as uh, Taylor Stubblefield assesses what he has in his first spring ball with this program. Uh, at tight end, uh, Sean Brenton Strange was the first guy they used, but we saw a lot of 12 personnel. We think we're going to see a lot of two tight end sets this season. Um, uh, that w- that meant a lot of Theo Johnson. It meant a lot of Tyler Warren. Tyler Warren was targeted routinely, it felt like, today. I don't Again, no stats, but uh, maybe three, four catches over the course of the day. And, 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 and you know, that that's impressive what you saw out of him at tight end. Not a lot of concern with that room as, as, as we go from wondering what the heck's going to happen at wide receiver. feels like tight end will sort itself out, whether it's one guy on the field, two guys on the field. You got the goods there, and, and they were certainly targeted today. You got the goods indeed. Yes. Now, I think that that's a spot where we don't have to spend too much time on, especially because it's only three people. Um, Brenton Strange caught a touchdown. Theo Johnson was playing inside and out, uh, flexing you know, in a flex tight end role. But I think my biggest takeaway, not that it was a huge takeaway, but Tyler John or excuse me, Tyler Warren yeah. has really nice set of hands on him. And that's not something, you know, as a, as a high school quarterback, you know, you're not sure how natural he is a, a catcher of the football, but there was a, a play where he took a slant or something and I, I picked it up off his kneecaps and, and made a nice gain with it. So impressed with what Tyler Warren was able to do catching the football today. And he can move after, I mean, I think all three of these tight ends can move. They get the ball in their hands. They can get upfield. These aren't like, you know, just, just chunk play tight ends. We're going to go down quickly. There was Old one school tight end. There was one scenario where I think it was Warren lined up beside Malik mega. And I think Jeffrey Davis was in front of him and Jeffrey Davis is, you know, he's, he's not the tallest cornerback in the world, but he's five eleven, six foot. And he looked quite tiny in front of those two guys. And, and may, may, that was when mega was really using his body well to get in front of Davis. But yeah, it's a, it, it's a group that I don't think we're going to say too much about over the next couple of months because I don't know that there's much intrigue. I mean, they're, I think they're going to be good. They're going to be solid and, and really a lot of talent there, but there's only so much we can say about three tight ends. On the offensive front, we heard from uh, Coach Phil Troutline about his unit this year and, and uh, this week, I should say. And he says he feels like he has ten guys who could play on the game on game day right now, but he doesn't know who the top five are going to be. And uh, it was hard to gauge it a little bit. First off, it's hard to assess this in real time without film. Um, secondly, we were missing a couple key components for this offensive line. We did not see Juice Scruggs involved out there today. We did not see Des Holmes involved out there today. Those are two potential starters um, in in this offensive attack. And that impacts both guard positions without those guys involved. We saw Anthony Wiggin who came from Lackawanna junior college uh, with Jaquan Brisker a couple of years ago. Haven't seen much of him in a game action at this point. And we saw Salim Wormley who's in his third year on campus um, with freshman status at the other guard spot. Um, important reps for those guys, uh, a, a, a key day. Uh, I don't know how long they've been getting these first team opportunities, uh, but I will say that the, the defensive interior for Penn State took it to both those guys. Um, I think Wormley took some lumps today. I would probably say the same thing about Anthony Wigan and, and, and in turn, give credit to John Scott's group, uh, PJ Mustafer and company at defensive tackle. That Yeah, that interior offensive line is going to be a work in progress. And then, I mean, 
without without the tape, it's hard to say how Miranda held up, especially with those guys bes- beside him getting for for the most part handled. I mean, let's let's be honest here. And you're playing against veterans, older guys like Mustafa and Tangelo, um, so that's probably to be expected. But uh, no, Des Holmes. They didn't have Des Holmes for a big chunk of spring. Uh, Juice Scruggs was uh, not. Uh, I guess he was dressed. He had a hoodie under his pads or something. Mm-hmm. So uh, no intention clearly, of clearly playing, wasn't clearly. playing. Yeah. Um, so you know, some work to do there. Eric Wilson shows up at the end of spring and. You get Holmes back in there. You get Scruggs back in there. You're probably in a better spot than than you feel coming out of today. Um, but that's going to take some time to to work on. Thought the tackles were were fine. I thought Rasheed Walker uh, was what we expect Rasheed Walker to be. And I think there's sort of a spotlight on his head uh, this year when we when we expect him to be a draft pick next year. That's that's how he's got to play. Um, not sure how much you're going to take out of the scrimmage, but you said you saw him in one-on-ones and, yeah. and he flashed a few things there. Um, so that's good. The younger tackles, uh, Olu Fashanu, Jimmy Christ, I, I thought held up pretty well. I know we, we've been kind of playing up the defensive line, but um, for those guys that are redshirt freshmen, or I guess they're second year freshmen or whatever. Um, I thought they held up pretty well. Um, still a little bit to go in terms of physical development for both of those guys. But, uh, and I don't know that they're ready to be, you know, uh, second team fill out the depth chart guys. Maybe Fashanu might have a step up on, on Chris there, but I thought they, they both played well. Fashanu was the next guy in at right tackle after Caden Wallace. Um, by the way, Bryce Efner was the next guy in at left talk, left tackle behind Rasheed Walker. Efner has been mentioned uh, recently as as Wednesday night by James Franklin as a the guy they feel could make an impact at, at all three positions on the offensive front. Um, so I, when I look at this though, Sean, I, you know we saw some of these younger players, uh, Nick Dawkins getting work inside, Golden Golden uh, Israel Chumba getting work inside. Uh, Blake Zillar is is kind of the one walk on component here who has impressions. He got to campus, a, a big kid who could really move coming out of high school. Uh, Penn State uh, swiped him away from, from Rutgers late, and, and and they've kind of tucked him away. He was the next center in today. Now, we've got to account no juice scrugs on the field. We think Efner can contribute at center apparently as well. Um, but I just wanted to also note that Blake Solar uh, took a lot of reps at center behind Mike Miranda. Yeah, and I, I would expect Efner to factor into that center race at some point, uh, whether that's just a one of those things where you feel more comfortable with the older guy in there, you know, as we've seen at different positions, and you can slide maybe Miranda to guard or something like that. I think that's a, a possibility here. Um, but they, they've got some work to do on that interior offensive line. The good news is they were missing two guys they expect to contribute, and a third is set to arrive at the end of May as a grad transfer in Eric Wilson. So I don't think it's time to hit the panic button from that that aspect, but it, it is worth noting there is room for improvement there. On the other side of the ball, uh, that defensive line, as we said, kind of dictated things, which it's a spring scrimmage. That's usually how it happens. Hakeem Beeman, very active. I uh, got the start today beside uh, PJ Mustafer. And he really gave those guards all they could handle and and more. So he was uh, he was pretty fantastic today. Um, I like what I saw from Derek Tangelo. I wanted to mention this earlier when we were talking about Ebikete. Tangelo is not going to be a guy that that fills up the stat sheet or anything like that. But if you just kept looking at the pile, he was he was always at the bottom of it. So that's a good sign. If he can eat up blockers and and maybe uh, they can have some versatility in there with Beeman, with Mustafer, uh, Devon Ellis played quite a bit today. So um, if they can get that and and sort of uh, sand down the finer points of the defensive tackle rotation, I think that that, that can be a good group. I thought PJ Mustver uh, flashed at, at today a little bit. He he had uh, Salim Wormley back on his heels on a couple of occasions, getting into the backfield. Um, uh, Brent Prize excited about the 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 stature of PJ Mustver coming into this year, twenty pounds heavier about than than last year without sacrificing too much athleticism. And uh, it just feels like he's a guy that that you know, Price says more. Mo- no one is more motivated on this roster right now than PJ Mustver. We've seen him at, uh, f- put that attention on himself. Mentioned that earlier this week on the podcast. But I thought that translated well into our first look at, at PJ of 2021. And I know you have a note down here, also at defensive tackle, some guy who just was out there looking like he was bench pressing offensive guards at time was Fatorma Malba, who we also have heard some 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 good feedback from uh, John Scott Jr. on on the defensive front. He's not the swiftest guy on his feet, but uh, he is strong. You put him in that box and and he can take on some guys. Saw him take on a couple of double teams today and probably one of those guys that more so opens things up for those around him more than himself. But you need that kind of guy in the interior defensive line. By the way, uh, a guy who looked the part and, and has, you know, had some development to do. Rodney McGraw stepped on the field and does not look like a guy who got to a college campus three months ago, Sean. I was I had to double check that that was his number. 
physically and yet and especially when you compare him to Bryce Mostello, who still looks I, I'm not sure what his weight is right now, but he still looks pretty skinny, pretty lanky. But McGraw got out there. Uh I, I think he looked as raw as I thought he would. I don't, you know, it's it's one of those things I don't think he's close to being a polished player. But in terms of stature, he went out there and you just kind of looked and who's number 90? I mean that who is that guy? So um, it's uh, pretty cool in terms of uh, seeing him for the first time. Uh, one guy I actually didn't write down on the rundown, and I completely forgot because I wanted to mention him earlier, Zariah Fisher at defensive end, I thought looked really good, especially in the early stages of this scrimmage. Um, still some work to do in terms of the fundamentals of the position. Of course, he just moved over from linebacker in the offseason, made a couple of tackles for losses. I think he might have been involved on a sack or two. thought he looked really good at defensive end. Yeah, I, I did not expect to see his name called, and didn't see, didn't expect to be looking toward his number on the roster sheet as much as I did. And um, and I, Akeem Beeman, you know, he's a, he's a guy who continues to. You wonder what he's going to set up for what Brent Pry and John Scott can do defensively because of the versatility there. Kind of being that swing defensive lineman, a guy who looks the part today, like he is ready to be a force on the defensive front. Um, and and I'll also bring it back to Nick Tarburton. Um, we got to seriously talk about this guy playing a lot of football. It's been a nice story and he's got to bridge that gap between now and then when we get into to big 10 play in September, but come away today thinking that they plan on, 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 on using him quite a bit, quite a bit. Yes. Uh, it was good to see him out there um, just in terms of playing just the, at the simplest form, being able to play, being able to, to hold up in there. And I, he made some good plays. I mean, he, he, he got the start over Ebikete, um, which was a little bit surprising. But at the same time, when he went out there and he was productive. So that's uh, certainly something, like I said, you can take from those top three guys. I think, I think there's a little bit of a gap between Tarburton, Ebikete, and Adisa Isaac. And then the next step to Smith Filbert, who you know, filled in pretty nicely as well. Zariah Fisher's in there as well. So um, I think there's a gap between those first three and then the the, the next group as kind of how we saw uh, receivers shaping up. You know, you've got your starters, you got your third guy, and then, and then there's a little bit of a gap. We got a couple more spots to get to on defense. Some final thoughts. First, a word from former Penn State All-American linebacker, uh, Brandon Short. <laughs> I'm Brandon Short, All-American linebacker, current member of Penn State's board, and two-time captain of your Nittany Lions. I'm running for re-election to Penn State's board. I come from a tough background, and a Penn State education changed my life. I had an NFL career, earned an MBA from Columbia, and I'm now in finance. Penn Staters have a lot of pride in athletics. There are wide-ranging benefits from success in athletics, increasing academic standards, supporting 850 student-athletes, and boosting the local economy. The current athletic budget is self-funding and is independent from the university, so investments have no impact on tuition or employee salaries. Yet, over the past decade, Michigan and Ohio State have outspent Penn State by $246 million and $390 million, respectively. Some candidates in this election want to de-emphasize athletics, making this gap wider. We must invest not for more touchdowns, but to benefit the local economy and enhance the entire university. If you agree, vote for Brandon Short, Steve Wagman, and Alvin DeLevy so together we can invest in Penn State's future. To vote, go to the link in the podcast show notes now. Thank you. And from an All-American linebacker to the current group of Penn State linebackers, uh, Brandon Smith, uh, a guy who was really all over the place today, uh, Sean. I, I think Curtis Jacobs saw him flash into the backfield at one point. Just coming out of this practice, remembering it's 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 one of only 12 they've had, uh, one of 12 they've had, uh, Pry feeling like they have upgraded at Sam and Will linebacker because of the moves that have been made this week. You know, he feels like they're going to get – uh, they're going to be able to maximize those spots more here in 2021 because of what those guys have brought to the table. Um, we saw uh, Ellis Brooks involved out there today, not 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 Jesse Lucetta, um, who, who has been sidelined for a bit. But w- overall, thoughts on what you've seen from linebacker? You know, I thought the starters played pretty well um, in terms of uh, Ellis Brooks was in there on a few plays. Uh, he looks a little bit better than he did last season. Now, I know the live bullets have not started flying, and that's very much a position that we'll sit back and kind of uh, wait on our evaluation until the fall. But I thought I thought he did some nice things. Brandon Smith, uh, nice to see him running around like a crazy person as he does. Um, and then Curtis Jacobs was back there in coverage playing that field linebacker spot. I think it was good. Um, just uh, very solid all around. And I think that that probably has something to do with the guys in front of him. By the way, I wanted to slip one more mention on the defensive line. I thought Amin Vanover played well today playing defensive end. Um, but back to linebacker, uh, Charlie Catcher was back out there today, which we didn't expect to see him at, you know, 
when, when spring ball opens. So that's good just to, just to get back a little bit of that depth. Now he did, I don't think he played in the scrimmage, but he was out there in the seven on seven. So, you know, a positive step back for, for catcher, the guy that really caught my eye um, on the, on in the linebacker sort of thing, uh, side of things, uh, Tyler Elsden got a ton of reps today. I mean, he's got a ton of reps today. He's got a ton of reps in the spring. Um, I don't know that he's starter level just yet, but he did some nice things. He got what I was impressed with just watching him uh, line people up and get people in front of him in the right positions. You know, it takes a little bit of, uh, of knowledge to play that spot. And he, I thought he did a good job, especially for a guy who's only been on campus for a little over a year. So I think that that's probably my main takeaway. I think Kobe King, did some nice things flash a little bit, but I think I, I did notice a difference, a little bit of a gap between Tyler Elsden and Kobe King. It was a good day for, for Elsden from, you know, just getting a chance to see where he is at right now at 6'2", 230 pounds, a year two on campus. And we've talked about it on the past here on the podcast. The the numbers right now are thin at linebacker. Um, you go into that too deep, you have concerns. Um, this is a spot where you want to see competition take place throughout the summer and, and, and get your best guys out there. And maybe Elsden has his hat in the ring there. You'd like to see Charlie Catcher get a chance to do just that as well and, and get where he needs to be physically but uh, yeah, I think if Elsden can be a, a, you know, a presence for them at linebacker, he's got to be. I mean, he's got to be. And from what we saw today, um, you feel a little bit better about that, but just, just a brief glimpse into a scrimmage. Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty pretty much what you can take away. I mean, there's a lot of uh, a lot of walk on linebackers out there. Nothing wrong with that, but that's what we saw a lot of today. Um, so Elsden's my big takeaway among the linebackers, even though we did see quite a bit of the first group. Defensive back, Sean, there was uh, you know, s- some missing guys out there. Joey Porter Jr. is not involved there. Uh, Castro Fields, we saw some on, in special teams coverage, not not out there. Um, Jair Brown, that was probably the most notable absence in terms of a guy we were really hoping to see. We spoke with him this week, battling for the starting job. That opened the door for Jonathan Sutherland to handle uh, the initial first team duties. But I-, I think I came out of today feeling like Tyler Rudolph, and, and from what I heard from, from Brent Pry after this too, Tyler Rudolph has made his case certainly as a two deep guy and Pry was careful to mention him as being involved in this competition. I thought Rudolph and Enzo Jennings, and we, we probably shouldn't do this, but we lumped them together so often, same kind of long athlete back there and, you know, a four-star pedigree and such, but I thought they both showed some flashes today and, and they did so in the run game, which is kind of not their, it wasn't their forte coming into uh, their college career. So I like what I saw there. I think Rudolph has a chance to push. Really unfortunate not to see Jair Brown today. That was one of the things that I was looking forward to the most, and he was not out there, James Franklin said, uh, for health reasons. Uh, so Sutherland got the start. We saw quite a bit of the young guys out there. Um, Cornerback-wise, I think they all played fairly well, probably with the exception of Daquan Hardy. They went right at Daquan Hardy a couple times. They were picking start. on him a little were, bit, weren't they? they? Were yeah, flat out picking on him. That's uh, That was, uh, if you're going to say concerning, that's probably a little bit concerning when you're talking about Hardy, especially when you, when you put him up against – what else was out there at corner? Really liked, of course, Kalen King, whom we already ta- whom we already spoke about, and uh, Johnny Dixon looked like he could really fit in there. Probably going to fit in as the nickelback as well. Um, so corners, I thought, I thought you know that's a good uh, good scrimmage for them. Keaton Ellis got caught uh, red handed one time. I think he bit on a uh, bit on a screen at the line of scrimmage, and Brenton Strange got behind him. Nice little double move fake there, and uh, it uh, did not end up well for Mister Ellis. But uh, other than that, I thought the the group played fairly well. Um, so not really a ton that you can take away from the secondary, but, uh, some of those younger guys, and, and I know people have, have been, uh, sort of expecting Ru- a little bit more out of Rudolph and a little bit more out of Jennings based on their pedigree, but I think they're on schedule. I think they're coming along, uh, at the rate in which they should be expected to come along. And it sounds like there's, there's still a little bit of a separation there because Frank uh, Pry said afterward, feels like they have four safeties that they can go win games with right now. He said in the past, it's been three in scarier moments. There's been two safeties they felt that way about. But, you know, he lumped in Tyler Rudolph with that group that would also feature Brisker, Jonathan Sutherland and Jair Brown. And, and but Enzo Jennings, I thought, you know, he, he popped up today in a way that you were hoping to see a guy who came in with some some really solid accolades in his own right. Um, and, and I still do wonder if that cornerback room, which is now contributing to the wide receiver room in the form of Marquise Wilson, does that cornerback room have another gift to give and maybe give that one over to the safety room. Yeah. I think that that's certainly a possibility to, to look at probably, you know, leaning on Keaton Ellis. This is a, not a new speculation by us or anything like that. Cause we talked about that coming into the spring, but I think it makes sense um, from uh, the defensive standpoint. I think you've got 
probably, you know, you feel good about four guys and you'd like to see Jennings come along. I think it's a very big summer ahead for Enzo Jennings and Tyler Rudolph and see if they can sort of get in there and, and mix it up. And, you know, to me, it's kind of, you got that gap between the first three guys and then, then the next two, uh, it's another position that they, they, you've got a gap like that. Um, so they should hope to close the gap this summer. I feel like Sean, a, a lot of what we saw today is going to be influenced by the fact that I just felt like the, the defensive front in a lot of ways consistently took it to the offensive front, not across the board. I, I think the, the tackle play was pretty strong. And like you said, it's really hard to gauge how Miranda handled himself watching in live time with two guys that we aren't really expecting to be starters at the guard position here in 2021. Um, but, you know, I, that was a pretty influential aspect of everything we saw today, because what happens up front, the line of scrimmage is going to determine a lot of what you're capable of doing. Yeah. And you don't want to, I mean, you want to feel good about the defensive line, but you don't want to take too much away from it in that aspect. And on the flip side, you know, I think there's help, there's help on the way for that interior offensive line. So I think they'll be, they'll be okay. James Franklin seemed pleased with their progress. Uh, when we talked to him afterward, um, just as it's a spot, probably my, my main takeaway, you'd like to see a little bit more, um, explosive ability, especially in the outside. You know, Dotson was phenomenal last year. Washington um, is very talented kid as well. You see a guy that can push the ball down the field and maybe uh, get uh, you know get some things rolling. You know, just I don't I don't know, and it's probably unfair to say this, but I don't know that there's that Hamler that can bust an 80 yarder against Ohio State. You know, and that's not really a it's not the the worst criticism in the world because not many people can do that. But I'd like to see a little bit more explosion, uh, a little bit more playmaking ability at wide receiver. We'll see if Marquise Wilson can do that. It's it's hard to say where he fits in now, but uh, just a, from the offensive side of the ball, I think that's probably my main takeaway is you'd like to see a little bit more explosion there. You mentioned Hamler. He was on the field today watching this thing. So was Detour Grossmatos, uh, Miles Sanders, um, Marcus Allen was there. So uh, a little bit of a feel of a spring game, but but clearly not what, what the blue-white game would be all about. And by the way, this was a curveball to us, Sean. Kind of thought we were wrapping up spring ball this week. I mean, that's what we've been discussing on the podcast for a while. Uh, turns out this was practice number 12, not number 15. And, and this kind of tells you, you know, we're informed as things go sometimes. And, and there's another week of spring practice ahead, and it's going to culminate next Friday night, apparently, at Beaver Stadium with senior students being brought into the stadium. I have no idea if we're going to get in there again. Zero idea about that. Uh, but this was not the end of spring camp. So they got three more practices in their back pocket. I don't know how it worked out this way, why it worked out this way, but they're going beyond the five-week mark. And I hope we do get back in there. This was fun today. I mean, it was yeah, just absolutely. Cool. It was cool to watch. And like I mentioned, the, just hearing some crowd behind it just kind of changes the game completely for me in terms the of- band, The band. The band was big for me. The band yeah. back in the stadium. I felt like a little college football was back in the air, man. And Wagon Wheel was there too. So that's also notable. Um, but no, it was it was a really cool experience. I'm glad they let us in and got us the access that they did. It's always appreciated this time of year. And hopefully, uh, hopefully we can do it again next week. Yeah, we'll figure it out. If we do, we'll talk about it again here on the podcast. Um, we just threw a, a ton your way. Sean, anything else? I, I know we'll probably remember some things we forgot to mention here, get some more context for when we listen through some of these conversations post-game. Um, anything else to add before we wrap it up? No, this was my 25-minute wrap-up, and we're clearly over 50 <laughs> minutes by now, so I am I am good on that aspect. Thank you. Perfect. I am too. Uh, thank you to our listeners. Nice to be back to you on a Saturday um, from this post-game. Oh, geez, I said it post-practice episode the, here in the Lions 24-7 podcast. Uh, we'll catch up with you next week with a couple more episodes. Uh, Tyler Donahue, Sean Fitz. Thanks, as always, for listening.